Welcome to the radio broadcast of Pineview Baptist Church, a growing community of faith in the Belfast community of Goldsboro. We are located at 3357 U.S. Highway 117 North in Goldsboro. We invite you to find out more about our congregation by visiting us at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. Join us now for our weekly message. If you have your Bibles, turn with me again to Isaiah chapter 40 and our third and final look at this incredible chapter of Scripture. This morning we're talking about God's greatness and our renewal. Isaiah 40, we're going to begin reading in verse 27. We finished with verse 26 last Sunday. Isaiah writes, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him Who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. May God add a blessing to the reading of His Word. The past two weeks, we've studied Isaiah 40. And in week one, we talked about God's glory primarily, His presence in our lives, how it brings comfort and hope to the people of God. Week two, we discussed the characteristics that make our God unique and how it gives us assurance in our daily lives. And we discussed that He's the wise Creator, the immense Lord, the only God, the active Lord, and also the watchful Creator. And today we're once again focusing on the glory and the greatness of God. That is the theme of this entire chapter. It's not just verses 30 and 31. Those are the famous verses. But everything that precedes that is about God and His glory. And that's what we want to focus on this morning. The greatness of our God. One of the greatest books that I have ever read, I have recommended it to people time and again over the last 20 years, is a book entitled Man's Search for Meaning. And it was written by a doctor whose name was Viktor Frankl. Dr. Frankl was a European psychiatrist, and he was also a former Holocaust prisoner. He was in the Nazi concentration camp in Auschwitz. And in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, he writes about his experiences in the camps with the predominant theme being hope, even in the midst of evil and pain. It's a great book. I I would highly encourage everyone here to read it. It's not necessarily a, a Christian work but a powerful, powerful story about hope. And in that book, he writes 
these words, I'd like to share them with you. The prisoner who had lost his faith in the future, his future was doomed. With his loss of belief in the future, he also lost his spiritual hold. He let himself decline and became subject to mental and physical decay. Usually this happened quite suddenly in the form of a crisis, the symptoms of which were familiar to the experienced camp inmate. Usually it began with the prisoner refusing one morning to get dressed or wash or go out on the parade grounds. No entreaties, no blows, no threats had any effect. He just lay there, hardly moving. If this crisis was brought about by an illness, he refused to be taken to the sick bay or to do anything to help himself. He writes, he simply gave up. There he remained, lying in his own excrement, and nothing bothered him anymore. That is the nature of humanity, brothers and sisters. Without something to hope for, without something to trust in, we will not survive the prison walls of this life. I know you've heard me say before, I I say it often, I don't know how people face grief and death at the loss of a loved one when they don't know Jesus, when they don't know Christ. But the hope that we have, this blessed hope that we have, is what enables us to put our feet on the floor and to draw our next breath and to move forward. If we give up, we cease to live and we just lay there. That's despair. And millions of people are suffering from it. Ortland writes in his commentary, we look out on the shopping malls and hamburger joints and freeways. Is that what we have to settle for? If the best we can expect is next summer's vacation in Hawaii or even just next weekend's outing on the lake, if our hope is a comfortable, successful existence until we die, we will inevitably fall into the lifestyle that Pascal called licking the earth, ego, carnality, and materialism. But if we have something beyond the barbed wire to look forward to, something beautiful that's ours, something to live for that can never be taken from us. We can face anything. The people of God have have no business wallowing in despair. Now, I know grief is real. Pain is real. But we can't stay there. We have reason to hope. We have reason to move forward. God wants to show us today that kind of confidence, that kind of hope, that kind of life. Remember who Isaiah is prophesying to. It's a people who have been in exile. They've been taken from their homes. Everything that they've ever known has been ripped away from them. They've been in captivity for decades. They're full of despair. But God gives them a word of hope in this chapter. And He tells His people, I have not abandoned you. He hasn't abandoned us because we are His people. In this text, it speaks of the Lord coming 
to His people and rescuing them. There's a few things that I believe Isaiah would want us to fix our minds on this morning and to see in this text. The first word picture that we see in these verses of Scripture is crushing despair. Crushing despair, verse 27 says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my ride is disregarded by my God? The Jewish people felt abandoned. John Knox, that great reformer, once said, By what means Satan first drew mankind from the obedience of God, the Scripture doth witness, to wit, by pouring into their hearts that poison that God did not love them. And that is a poison. We've all experienced feelings of abandonment in our lives. We've all felt that crushing grief and that despair at one point or another. You will not make it through life without experiencing it. There will be moments when even your faith wavers. One preacher said that there are two kinds of doubts. Doubt that struggles to believe, open to, to God's answers, open to God's Word, willing to, list, to listen to what His Word says, but struggling through it. And I think we all experience that at times in our lives. But the other type of doubt, he said, was doubt that resists belief, doubt that folds its arms and says, you can't make me believe. Not willing to hear what God has to say. The Jewish exiles were probably somewhere in between these two points. They were struggling and maybe in some ways because of their past experience, they were refusing to believe that God would do what He said He would do. So God went the extra mile for them and He showed them the promise of His presence, His glory, and He showed them His greatness, His hold over creation. He says to His people, I am sovereign. I am still in control. And He wanted them to know, you still have a place in my heart. You're still my people. Yes, you have gone through this terrible tragedy, this difficult season. You've lost everything. You've lost your homes. You've lost loved ones. But you're still my people. Verse 27, they're referred to as Jacob, Israel. Jacob who, who wrestled with God, the Scriptures tell us. In Genesis 32 and 28, it reads that you have striven with God and with man and you've prevailed. And he's reminding his people, he's calling them by that name. He's saying, Jacob, Remember your heritage, Israel. Remember who, who your God is. Remember what I've done in the past. Remember that your forefathers prevailed with me. He's saying to them, you will too. He was saying to them, and I believe He's saying to us today through the pages of Scripture, you are significant to me. You are my people. And His promises will come to pass. And so even in the face of crushing despair, there is hope. We have reason to hope. When we think about what we sang this morning, behold our God. Crushing despair. But next, Isaiah points us to the greatness of God. 
the greatness of God. Verse 28, it says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. I've asked you several times over the last couple of weeks, how do you view God? How do you see Him? Who is God to you? Well, here in this text, once again, we see a list of attributes. And I hope that these attributes will encourage you today and cause you to see the greatness of God. Verse 28, the Lord is the everlasting God, it says. He is eternal. He is everlasting. The present is the only thing we experience. We can think back to the past and remember it, but we can't experience the past. But guess what? God is there. And God is in our future. He's already ahead of us. He is eternal. And He's here in the now as well. God's always a step ahead of where we are. And so I want to say to you this morning, don't panic, don't despair, because know that God is already there. It says in verse 28 that God is the Creator of the ends of the earth, the Creator of everything. Nothing is outside of His view. Nothing is beyond His arm. Nothing is outside of His control. It doesn't matter what you're facing God is aware and God is there and God is over it. And that's true whether you're like Israel and you're in Babylonian captivity or it's true if you're facing a storm in your life right now. It's true if you're at the hospital and you've received a bad diagnosis. It's true when you're at the funeral home and you're grieving. God is there. God is in control. God is creator. It also says in verse 28 that God is always at work. That God is always at work. He does not faint or grow weary. And then God is wise in verse 28. It says His understanding is unsearchable. You can't figure Him out. So don't even... Try. Life confuses us sometimes. It leaves us bewildered and amazed. It leaves us in grief, moments of hopelessness. But it doesn't confuse God. It does not catch Him off guard. We serve a great God. Notice verse 29 it says He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, He increases strength. God is not only glorious, brothers and sisters, but He shares His strength with His people. Are you weak? Are you tired or discouraged? Do you feel like quitting? Receive God's power in your life. It is available. It is there for you and I. Isaiah said, Behold our God. And what I'm trying to communicate to you this morning is look up and see your God. Look to Him and have a confidence in Him because of who He is. A third thing that Isaiah points us to is an exchange of strength. 
an exchange of strength, verses 30 and 31. Human strength, even at its best, even in its youth, in its prime, it will fail. And not only can we receive God's strength, but verse 31 tells us that we can receive God's strength to do the impossible, to mount up with wings like eagles, to run and not be weary and to walk and not faint. The key is in the waiting. It says, they who wait on the Lord. Now that doesn't mean that we just we sit around and we twiddle our thumbs. I'm just waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord to show me what to do, where to go, what to do next, how to serve Him. No, that's not what it means. It means living with a a confident expectation. I heard one pastor use this analogy. When you're little and you, you want to see over a crowd or you want to look over the fence at the ball game and catch a view, what do you do? You stand up on your tiptoes and you try to get a little bit more leverage so that you can see. And one pastor said, live on your tiptoes. Trust God and stand up on your tiptoes knowing that He's going to do what He said He would do because He is who He says He is. Confident expectation. Philippians 3, Paul wrote about something very similar. Notice the language he uses in verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Did you notice the language that Paul was using? Straining forward, pressing on. Isaiah, in these verses, compares the strong young man who runs swiftly, he runs mightily to those people who wait on the Lord. He says that the strong will faint and fail, but those who enjoy God's presence in their lives, in their daily lives, that they will have strength and that they will walk and they will run and they will mount up with wings like eagles. So I ask you this morning, are you enjoying the presence of God in your life? That's what it means to wait on the Lord, to be in His presence to study His Word, to to worship with the Bride of Christ, to be involved in the community. That's waiting on the Lord. Where are you looking for your hope? What are you looking to, to give you hope? Is Is it your health? Are you trusting in your doctors? Are you trusting in medication? Because I'm sad to say those things will fail you. Is it your job and you feel that you have security there? It could be taken away tomorrow. Is it it your finances? Well, I've saved for a rainy day. I'm trusting in my bank account. I'm trusting that this will work out for me. It could all be gone in a flash. Those who wait on the Lord. 
those who focus on the greatness of their God will have an exchange of strength. So we must shift the loyalty of our heart from, from the false, the fake, the phony glory of this world to the glory of God. Have you staked your happiness in Him? Ortland said, It will not do to put my faith in God while I keep my heart on this world. I want to encourage you today to trust Him. To know that He is your rock. To admire Him as Isaiah has told us to do. Notice verse 5 again of Isaiah 40. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Do you trust that? Do you believe that? Jonathan Edwards is a famous preacher from another era. In January 12, 1723, excuse me, he wrote this entry in his journal. I want to read it to you as we prepare to close. He wrote, I have been before God and have given myself all that I am and have to God so that I am not in any respect my own. I've given myself clear away and have not retained anything as my own. I have this morning told him that I did take him for my whole portion and felicity looking upon nothing else as any part of my happiness, nor acting as if it were. All of my life is in God. And God alone. God is my salvation. In Him I will trust. Whom shall I fear? I ask you today, will you trust Him with me? I know it's hard sometimes. I know that there are seasons of intense grief and pain. I know there are problems that we face. But behold your God. Look up and see Him today. Will you trust Him with me? Will you trust His Son, Jesus Christ, who will save you from yourself and from your sin? Do you see today that God has not abandoned His people? He has not abandoned His church. That He will not leave His people to their own devices. That He has not left us without hope. Verse 5, as we close, says, The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. That's our prayer. That's our desire to say to our community, to the people around us, to one another when we go through difficult times, is to see the glory of this great God that we serve. Don't forget it because He has not forgotten you. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. And I pray that it will be in us. Lord, teach us today by the power of Your Spirit and courage your people, to look up and to see our God. Give us that strength that Isaiah referenced. Strength to run. Strength to walk. Strength to mount up with wings like eagles. 
And Lord, use us, your people, to reveal your glory, to reveal your greatness to the world around us. It's in the name of Christ Jesus we pray and ask these things. God's people said, Amen and Amen. Pineview gathers for worship each Sunday beginning at 9.30 a.m. for morning prayer. Sunday school classes for all ages begin at 9.45, followed by our worship gathering at 11 a.m. We also meet each Wednesday night for Bible study and prayer at 7 p.m. in our church fellowship hall. We are located at 3357 U.S. Highway 117 North in Goldsboro, North Carolina. We are a Southern Baptist congregation dedicated to expository preaching and biblical worship. We invite you to join us next Sunday. If you would like more information about Pineview Baptist Church, we invite you to follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. There you will find information about our service times, upcoming events, directions to our church, and videos of our Sunday services.